AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Two slinging it, that pass intercepted. Sione Taki Taki, takeaway number three for the Browns. Just when the Cardinals were starting to move the football, this Cleveland defense strikes again. Fourth down five. Utes only rush four. Conover's clock runs out. Aliki the Mahi. Oftentimes it can turn out not even close to what you expected. They go quick on the snap, Benson in the backfield. They try and push Travis in, and he makes it. Touchdown, Seminoles. Back, quick throw, caught. That's love it. That's a touchdown, Georgia. Yeah, we're way lower. Exactly, and so we wonder what that does for his candidacy. J.J. McCarthy, perfectly in the bucket for Roman Wilson. Man-to-man coverage are bringing pressure off the edge. And they're going to go toward Harris, and he turns, makes the catch. He hangs on, keeps one foot in. And Marvin Harrison Jr. with his ninth touchdown reception of the year. First attempt from the 11. Fafita looking in zone. Did he stay in bounds? No, incomplete. They ruled incomplete on the field. Again, left foot down, here comes the football. Does he lose it as he moves it from his hands to his body? The receiver caught the ball with one foot inbound. It's a touchdown. What a catch from McMillan. Touchdown, Arizona. Calling it third and three officially. Mahomes with the edges rushing around him. Finds McKinnon. Jared McKinnon. Touchdown. Flag is down, but it's in the secondary. Second down and five. Alabama can get a first down at the six-yard line. And it's Jalen Milrow. Pump fakes. Jalen Milrow. Touchdown, Alabama. Again, four for number four. Empty backfield for Herbert. He looks at throw. Complete Parham. Breaks a tackle. To the goal line. He's in. Touchdown, Chargers. Ricky Gibson, the receiver to the top. Eight for the first down. Wilson throw it. In zone touchdown. Alan Lazard. What a drive. Zach Wilson looking to run for the two. Bouncing outside. Got there. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Monday, November 6th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7, the Cardinals or Sun Devils, which offense was worse? College football, who is the best team? The Wildcats in the University of Arizona Wildcats. Will they win out the NFL and college weekend? What stood out? 
And uh, Monday Night Football, who you got tonight, Chargers or Jets? Also, what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction to today's pipeline. 10-15 around college football with Stuart Mandel, The Athletic. 10-30 or so, interactive action, 602, 260-1060, and also the local roundup, including some Cardinals and Browns analysis. That may not take very long. Uh, final segment of the Sports Zone, it'll be the national roundup, topped by uh, from the weekend f- uh, football scoreboard. A couple college and a couple pro games we'll cover. Then after the Sports Zone from 11 to 1 o'clock, it is the Extra Point hosted by Caleb. That'll include much more from the NFL and college football weekend. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, which offensive performance was worse, the Cardinals on Sunday at Cleveland or the Sun Devils on Saturday at Utah? And Kayla is here and has the early returns. Yeah, so Cardinals on Sunday at Cleveland is out in front at 57% of the vote. Sun Devils on Saturday at Utah, 43% of the vote. All right, so we got a contested vote there. That's good. What wasn't good is obviously the Cardinals lost 27-0 and had 58 total yards on Sunday. Sun Devils, they had 83 yards and lost 55-3. It was pretty bad. In fact, it was really bad. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, who is the best team in college football, Florida State, Georgia, Michigan, or Ohio State? I took the top four of the CFP from last week and whipped it into alphabetical order. How about that? I'm so smart. Uh, Kayla, what do we have here? Uh, We have Michigan out in front at 40% of the vote. Then we have a tie between Georgia and Ohio State, each at 30% of the vote. And then FSU at 0% of the vote. This is on Twitter. Yeah, at uh, KDOS AM 1060. No love for Mike Nor Mike Norvell, the former ASU coach and former you know, occasional guest here in the sports zone, back in uh, assistant coach, I should say, back in the day. And uh, that's too bad. You know, they have a really good quarterback, two really good receivers, and a good running back. Well, two of those receivers didn't play the other day because of injury, but anyway. They should be getting a little love here. All right, okay. Forget about the CFP rankings from last week. Which of these teams is just the best team? Forget about those rankings from last week. You tell me who you think is the best team. Also on the local front, the U of A has won three straight games, and that could have been four had Judge Jed Fish had the guts. I'll use could use a couple other words there. Guts to go for two at the end of the first overtime and the eventual overtime loss at USC. By the way, USC on Sunday finally parted ways with defensive coordinator Alex Grinch. Will the U of A win its final three regular season games? Saturday at Colorado, home against Utah, and then the season finale in Tempe against ASU. Meanwhile, spanning the globe, Sunday was a full day for the NFL. It began in Germany, ended in Cincinnati, and in between there was plenty of drama in Philadelphia. NFL week number nine ends tonight in the swamps of Jersey uh, with the Chargers and the Jets. Who you got tonight? And uh, the Chargers are roughly a three and a half, eh, pretty much everywhere now, a three and a half point favorite in that game. So you got the Chargers minus three and a half or the Jets plus three and a half. 
Saturday was the most entertaining day of the college football season. Uh, we thought and we were hoping it would be really good. Uh, and uh, there were shootouts nearly everybody, everywhere, I should say, from the morning window uh, through the uh, primetime matchups. So it was fun. I had a good time, which is most important. Uh, what, was, uh, what were the most entertaining games to you of the NFL and college football weekend? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today. We have all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational one-hour radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category, so whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, uh, Corey will have a news update. That will be followed by Around College Football with Stuart Mandel of The Athletic. Cover, uh, you know, we'll go through those four teams as uh, we have in the poll questionnaire with Stuart and find out who he thinks is the best team. And uh, we'll cover a couple of few other items, uh, including the Michigan football scandal, the sign stealing scandal, which uh, seems to have a different take almost every day. <laughs> it's uh, kind of uh, kind of gotten a little out of hand, it seems, but that's just me. Uh, maybe it's just not me. I'm trying to be objective about this as uh, somebody born in Columbus, Ohio. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, phone call time, 602-260-1060, general discussion. Also, the local roundup will have some Cardinals and Browns analysis and likely some brief ASU and Utah analysis. Listen to rewards for you with the KQS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KTUS 1060 app. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7, your home to the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. Saturday's college football slate lived up to the billing, a full day of uh, high-level entertainment, and at least in my humble and hopefully accurate opinion. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the Sports Zone by Stuart Mandel of The Athletic. Stuart, always good to have you on the show. Let's uh, let's throw out the initial college football playoff rankings for now. Who do you think is the best team in college football this season? Um, I think it's a toss-up between uh, Georgia and Michigan, and I think I'll have a better answer to that after this weekend when we finally see Michigan play a team with a pulse. Uh, they've obviously <laughs> been dominant in every single game this year, nine games in, and I still don't feel like we've seen them you know, tested, and, and hopefully they will this week against Penn State. Uh, Georgia is not as overwhelmingly dominant as they've been the last couple of years, but to me, they're still Georgia. Missouri went in and put up a good fight, and at no point did I – it was a close game, and at no point did I actually think Missouri was going to pull it out. Uh, and, you know, and they, they – every time Missouri got close, Georgia answered. So, again, they also haven't faced, obviously, a um, the kind of the kind of game that, for instance – we saw, you know, um, 
Washington play against Oregon, right? Or uh, mm-hmm. Texas against Oklahoma, Texas against Alabama. They're getting there. I mean, this is a nice little stretch they have between playing a top 15 Missouri team. Now they play, um, you know, they, they, they turn around and they have to play Ole Miss, who's in the top 10, and then they go to Tennessee. It's a nice little stretch. But um, it's just the way this season has worked out. It's just some teams have their schedules have turned out to be very backloaded. Well, let's dive into these top four teams, at least from last week, a little further here. Ohio State, how do you look at the Buckeyes nine games into the season? Well, you can't you can't argue with the resume. Again, there's an example of a team that has played some big games and and especially played big games on the road and pulled them out and and they deserve all the credit for that. It just doesn't feel to me like a vintage Ohio State team. They have a great defense, which you know has been a change from the last couple of years, but they're kind of just getting by on offense. Um, their offensive line has, has not been good. Obviously, I do think Travion Henderson coming back from, from injury was big. So, I mean, look, this is a team that I think worst case scenario is going to go 11 and one. And that's pretty good. Question is, can they win in Ann Arbor with this very different formula of play really good defense and do what you can get the ball to Marvin Harrison. But at the end of the day, this is not the, the Justin Fields, CJ Stroud. We're going to score 45 points kind of offense you mentioned georgia the schedule is getting tougher here for sure what stands out to you about them this year and how does that uh, does this group compare to the national champs of the last couple years well i think the offense is 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 exactly where it was last year with seth and bennett um and that's saying something considering they played the last two games without their best player brock bowers but i think carson beck has come on really strong um they, they they do what they do. They're never going to be a you know high-flying team. They play a certain style of football, and it's really good. I think the defense, you know, hasn't really been fully adequately challenged. Missouri did come in there. Um, they're a big play offense. They had a few big plays. You know, I thought it was impressive in the fourth quarter that once Missouri closed its 24-21 that they had the two interceptions, including one by a big defensive tackle. Um, so I think they're really good. I think they're the most talented team in college football, but I do think they're tough. They're tough. They're beatable. And that's why I'm so curious about Michigan because they're sitting out there as like, well, maybe this is the team that can do it, but haven't, haven't seen, I refer to it as the preseason's over now. They finally are going to start playing their season this week. That's right. That's for sure. So get, let's get into that game on Saturday in happy Valley. What are some of the keys to that game in your opinion? And how good's Penn state? Penn State obviously was disappointing in that game against Ohio State. Um, this was an offense that people had high hopes for, and they just haven't been able to up until that point. I'm sorry, up until this past weekend. You know, they've ranked among the lowest teams in the country at producing big plays. But against Maryland this week, we finally kind of saw it all come together. Um, they put up 51. They uh, got plays from some of their other receivers. If they play like that, they've got a chance against Michigan. You know, the problem against Ohio State was both those teams had great defenses, but Ohio State had Marvin Harrison, and Penn State didn't have anybody like that. And Drew Aller, the quarterback, really struggled in that game. I'll be very curious to see. You know, he played with a lot more confidence the past couple weeks. um, That we'll see if we'll see that version of him this week against Michigan. Stuart Mandel, the athletic curly in the sports zone. 
Okay, so what do you make of the day, seemingly daily sign-stealing stories coming out of Michigan regarding the Wolverines? It's been a fantastic soap opera to follow. It really- I mean, it's just got everything. It's a, it's a perfect college football story, espionage, and, you know, the Michigan fans accusing Ohio State of hacking into their computers and, and all this stuff. And this guy, Connor Stallions, is going to go down as one of the all-time crazy figures. I mean, the, the, what put it over the top for me was the pictures of him on the sideline, on the central Michigan sideline, posing as a coach. It, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of the Fletch movies. It reminded me of... Fletch and his ridiculous costumes, you know. Um, now everybody wants to know what's going to happen. What's the penalty? And and I do think this dynamic of NCAA investigations take forever. So whatever comes of it is not going to come for a while. And the coaches and the ADs and the Big Ten are telling the commissioner, Tony P, no, no, no you got to do something now because, and it's true, how often, if ever, does something like this get caught midstream, right? Usually NCAA investigations are about something that happened years earlier this this happened earlier this season and and you know i don't think it affected the results of the games because michigan would have beaten those teams whether they had their signs or not but it was definitely against the spirit of the rule so um i think we'll probably see in the next sometime this week whether they're going to take action possibly against jim harbaugh um i i'm getting the sense you know i think there's been some push to they should be Banned. They should be banned from the postseason. Banned. I don't think the Big Ten commissioner feels like he has the um, ability to do that or the desire to do that, but I could see there being a suspension or a fine or something along those lines. And then we'll just have to wait. You know, ultimately, whatever comes to the NCAA investigation probably won't come till next year or five years from now. You know, those things take forever. <laughs> yeah. ASU fans are still waiting on the punishment for me. ASU, aren't they? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, That's yeah. a great example of it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, if Harbaugh is suspended, when would he be suspended for, or what would he be suspended for? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is all unprecedented. Uh, there's no, there's not, not no like past case to look back at and say, okay, I think this is what would happen. Um, I also would wonder. Let's say you suspend him for the next two games. Is he only? Is he? Is, does he have to leave the building? Or is he only suspended on Saturdays? Because, frankly, the head coach's biggest impact is during the week in most cases. Unless there's mm-hmm. a play caller, which he's not. Um, it would, to me, feel uh, kind of symbolic. But I'm not saying I know that there's a different thing. It's definitely the, the you know, the, the, the right punishment. I mean, it's important to keep in mind that, obviously, you know, on the one hand, people have pointed out, I pointed out, and it's true, the commissioner has much more latitude than the NCA does. I mean, it just says in their in their mm-hmm. bylaws about sportsmanship. If he feels there's been a sportsmanship policy violation, he can punish them, right? He doesn't have to follow some long enforcement process. But he can't do it based on like a story in the media. It's what 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 hard data does the Big Ten have in its hands right now? We certainly have read about paper trails of, of Connor Stallions buying tickets to games and, and, and video footage of somebody scouting. And, but I don't know that I have no idea what they actually have a hold of to, to make a decision like that based on Florida state. I don't want to leave them out. Uh, we're talking with Stuart Mandel, the athletic of course, uh, 
you know, they have the early season wins against LSU and Clemson. I think those wins have lost some juice. It, how, how good are the Seminoles? I think they're really good. I think they're really talented. Um, I think uh, Jordan Travis kind of gets lost amidst the other great quarterbacks around the country, but he's really good. But to your point, right, they played those two games early in the season, and then they've just kind of been on cruise control since then. There hasn't been really, you know, we're the adversaries for them, the ACC, and there won't be until the championship game where they'll probably play a Louisville team that's frankly overachieved relative to what we thought they could do in Jeff Brown's first year. So I don't, you know, I, I was at that LSU game. They crushed LSU. It was very impressive. Of course, it turns out LSU was not a top 10 team and um, has a really bad defense. So it wasn't necessarily the signature win that, that you thought it was at the time. But um, if I were them, I would recommend winning out. Um I think the way this is shaping up, it could be a rare year where every Power Five conference has at least a 12-1 and champ, and somebody's going to have to get left out. And because the ACC is you know, not going to afford them chances at top 25 wins, really, um, you, I wouldn't want to get in a resume game if I'm Florida State. But if they're undefeated, they're going to play off. Saturday, I think, was the best uh, Saturday of the college football season. I was hoping for that when we talked about it on Friday's show. Uh, which game stood out to you the most on Saturday? It was that, you know, primetime. Uh, I mean, it was really, it was just really fun to watch on, you know, whatever it was, separate screen, split screen, whatever you want to say, the LSU-Alabama game and the USC-Washington game, because the quarterback play between those two games was just yeah. phenomenal. And take your pick. And, and I say that, and really Michael Penix of the four probably did the least, because Washington realized pretty quickly they could just run the ball at will uh, against that USC defense that whose coordinator got fired the next day. But I thought Jaden Daniels was incredible. And it's got to be really surreal, right, for ASU fans to watch what he's become, because – this he was not this at ASU. He he's legitimately has a stake as the best player in college football. I don't think he can win the Heisman because his team has three losses and they'll kind of be out of sight, out of mind. But if you look at his numbers and where he ranks nationally, you could legit, he he could absolutely say he's been the best player in the country. Uh, Jalen Milrow obviously was the revelation. You know, to go from uh, week three when Nick Saban benched him and tried two other guys and and realized nope. I should probably go back to the guy I had. Uh, he was electric uh, against LSU. Granted, a really bad LSU defense. And he's put Alabama backwards. You usually see them this time of year, right? Right in the hunt for the SEC championship. So, um, yeah, I just thought those two games back-to-back. Now, I didn't watch any of the Iowa-Northwestern game. It was on Peacock. And, frankly, I couldn't subject <laughs> myself to that. But I really like the juxtaposition that that game, the 10-7 to game, that was only the seventh-highest scoring game at Wrigley Field this year, led directly into those two, uh, you know, offensive shootouts. I think the wind was blowing out in those other games at Wrigley, so it must have been it. had to be at that point. Okay, Washington has done enough to win some close games here of late. How do you view, uh, how do you view Washington compared to the other top teams in the CFP? I, I was at the Washington-Oregon game, and it was electric, and they were great, and – Certainly came out of that feeling like, you know, they could definitely make the playoff possibly win the national championship. And then something hasn't been quite right the last few weeks. You know, they, they had that weird game against ASU that they were fortunate to survive. They Stanford lit them up. 
split up that that's really been what's been noticed for the last two weeks is their defense has gone in the wrong direction. And I know Caleb Williams does that to a lot of people, um, but they just really didn't have an answer for him uh, probably until the fourth quarter. And that was with USC playing without their top running back. So, you know, the Oregon Washington game, as you know, like came down to the last second field goal, could have easily gone the other way. And I, I just think Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12. And yep. we'll probably get a chance to avenge that loss uh, against Washington championship game because they're starting to, you know, in the standings, those two are starting to separate themselves a little bit. The one team that could mess it up is Oregon State, uh, who plays uh, both those teams down the stretch. Um, but if I'm betting right now, I would think they meet again in Vegas. And I just think Oregon, um, they've got the quarterback, they've got the run- great running backs, they've got uh, two really good receivers. And I think the difference is their defense It's not amazing, but it's um, it's physical. Um, what they did to Utah was, you know, just extremely impressive. So, um, not Washington, it, 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 and also Washington has a, just a, a brutal schedule down the stretch. So, I would not be surprised if they actually lose a couple games. Um, maybe I'm, but but if I see Michael Penix come back to being like the Michael Penix of the first seven weeks, then that would change things. Yeah, you mentioned USC. Uh, another awful defensive performance on Saturday, and they part ways with defensive coordinator Alex Grinch on Sunday. How much should Lincoln Riley be criticized because of his teams at Oklahoma and USC, which are dynamic on offense, but they've been continually bad on defense? Yeah, I mean – a friend of mine in Oklahoma texted me during the game. He's like, it's just it's just unbelievable how identical his team is to his Oklahoma team. He just doesn't um, – he's yet to, to show that he can field – you know, he definitely fields playoff slash national championship caliber offenses, and the defenses are just abysmal. And, and this year is particularly egregious to me because they did up – like when they came into USC, the talent obviously was, was pretty down. Um, they they up in the portal this year. They got some big guys that everybody wanted. They upgraded the talent, and it's just as bad, if not worse. And that's, you know, firing Alex Grinch was the first step. Yeah, I mean, I think that was probably overdue. And we'll see. I mean, I, I just think the Oregon game this week could be really ugly. Uh, but there's a bigger – there's some bigger questions Lincoln Riley will have to answer in the offseason. He went to USC. He was hired to win national championships. And he's going into a conference in the Big Ten with a lot of really good defenses. And I don't think he's going to win those games, you know, uh, 45 to 42. So there's some philosophical questions he has to answer about how he structures his program. And I, I'm not behind the scenes there to know, is it the way they practice? Is it the fact that he's the head coach but doesn't pay any attention to the defense? Something's got to change. I'm a loyal listener of the Audible podcast with you and Bruce Feldman. However, full disclosure, I usually don't listen to the Sunday version until Monday afternoon. Uh, So I assume you covered quite a few of these topics that we just talked about here during the latest podcast. Pretty much all of them. Uh, We we started off with Connor Stallions and then we got into, um, you know, all the, all the games. One question we kind of started out with was, um, you know, having seen the evolution of Alabama this year, and then you and I talked about Georgia a little bit mm. off the bat, it's probably going to be an Alabama-Georgia SEC championship game again. What chance would you give Alabama, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I would have thought after the Texas game that Alabama would, would go 9-3, and three, not play possibly be 11-1 and one playing in the 
SEC championship game. I mean, we're we're not that far from the possibility of them, the supposedly worst uh, Nick Saban team in 13 years, um, being right back in the CFT. That's pretty amazing in itself. All right, Stuart, good yep. stuff as always. Thank you very much, and uh, have fun. All right, thanks. Stuart Mandel, The Athletic. Check out all his work and all the uh, extensive coverage at The Athletic. Good stuff, as always. And as I mentioned, that podcast with uh, Bruce Feldman required listening. I'm sure if you're listening to this segment, you've listened to it before. Uh, great uh, podcast for college football fans. And uh, it's part of my uh, Monday afternoon routine. And uh, you know, it's a little later in, in the Monday afternoon now since we're uh, – you're going from 10 to 1 during the sports zone and also the extra point. But uh, I'll get to it eventually this afternoon. I'm sure. You know, I promise I will. All right, next segment, phone call time. If you want to jump aboard, we got some time in the next segment, 602-260-1060. Uh, the more callers, the less I have to talk about the Cardinals and the Sun Devils in the next segment. <laughs> so that that's, you know, uh, I'm pleading to you to give me a call like right now so I don't have to talk about the Cardinals and the Sun Devils from the weekend in the next segment. Please help me out. I feel like I'm, you know, you know it's like a, some kind of a telethon here or something. 602-260-1060. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show, here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. It's time for today's local roundup. All right, welcome back to the Sports Zone. I'm Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7. It's going to be a brief local roundup part because the callers have come to my rescue. I uh, look, you know, a, a frequent caller and a somebody that's been missing in action in a couple of uh, for a while. <laughs> uh, we'll get to those calls in just a second. I will get more. Uh, we'll get more into the Cardinals, even though I'm not exactly sure how much we can get into the Cardinals after not scoring a point and producing 58 yards uh, in the uh, you know drubbing yesterday. That was the worst 27-zero uh, score. Score wasn't it wasn't that close. <laughs> it could have been much worse if Watson had hit, uh, hit a few open receivers in at least the first three quarters of that game. Anyway, we'll get to more of that later. And uh, God bless ASU. Uh, you know, I assume they still have a football program at ASU after what happened on Saturday. On the phone lines we go. Let's go with Matt and Phoenix first. Hi, Matt. Bob, how you doing? How was the weekend? Uh, it was okay, except when I had to watch okay. local football. Well, I watched all of the Cardinal games um, because I, I took Cleveland and Survivor, um, and I felt like I was oh, watching okay. Iowa when uh, um, <laughs> the Cardinals had the ball. So uh, it was very familiar, uh, but uh, it was horrific. And I think you're right. Watson was, outside of two passes to Amari Cooper, he was not very good. And I thought no. once they scored a uh, kicked a field goal early in the second quarter, I thought the game was over, and it seemingly essentially ten, was ten nothing. It was done. I mean, there was no way yeah. the Cardinals were going to score more than ten points or get the ten points or score twice. I mean, it wasn't going to happen. And uh, it was 
you know, I've been uh, covering this team since 2001 on a weekly basis. And, uh, yeah, I was trying to think of a worse game. Uh, the only game I could think of was there was an overtime game here against Dallas a few years ago at Sun Devil okay. Stadium that almost ended as a, in a tie, and it was it should have ended in a tie. They went 15 minutes in those days, too. And then you know, Quincy Carter threw a bunch of interceptions in that game, including three of them to Adrian Wilson, who almost never intercepted passes back in the day. But then we found out later, like you know, a few months later, that Quincy Carter, uh, Quincy Carter, the quarterback of the Cowboys, then tested positive that week for cocaine. So oh, okay. that, that was that was the only other game I could think of that was worse. And I, the only ASU game I could think of that was worse is I think the first year I was here, like the first week they played Nebraska when Nebraska was still a power, and it was like fifty something, might have been more than that to like three. Uh, so okay. that was the only, those are the only two games. Yeah. Those are the only two games I can think of that were worse over the last 20 years, roughly. Um, I'm going to give you an alternative answer to your question about who the best team in the country is. I think we've already talked about this, but I think Oregon's the best team in the country. Um, I think they're the most complete team in the country. I think there's few questions on both lines of scrimmage. Um, I think we've seen that the road bow next thing was an sec issue. And Correct. they would be undefeated if uh, if Dan Lanning could get out of his own way. Um, and then I don't think there would be any questions. Um, I think they run through their schedule. I think they handily beat Washington in the Pac-12 title game. And then I wonder what happens if there's uh, if Alabama somehow beats Georgia in the title game and Texas and Oregon are all one-loss teams. Good yeah. luck, but uh, I don't have to figure that out. But I, I'm going to go with Oregon. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I think uh, if you're doing like power rankings on a weekly basis, and uh, I, I, I don't know any odds makers at the moment, I'd give them a call. If uh, who's your ha- highest rated team right now? Yep. Uh, if Washington, if I'm an Oregon fan and they play Washington again, I would try to come up with some kind of arrangement to kidnap Dan Lanning before the game starts. <laughs> A couple things that stuck out to me, uh, the college football slate. Um, I don't think you can understate the importance of Keon Coleman for Florida State. Um, for a lot of that and, game, uh, their offense and, was and, lost. And Johnny, and Johnny Wilson yes. didn't play either. Yes, very <laughs> yeah. true. Um, they are terrific and really make that offense go. Um, I do not know what Chris Kleiman is doing going for it in overtime. <laughs> that game was dead even to me. Yeah, um, it's not one of those scenarios where you're a huge dog and you want to end the game. Plus, it was like fourth and five. It wasn't fourth right. yard or or a half of a yard. So, I like climbing a lot, but uh, that was a horrific decision. And then, um, I'm sad that I'm a rivalry guy. I'm sad that Bedlam is gone. Um, I think that was a terrific football game. Seemed like a wonderful environment. Uh, I'm gonna miss that with all this conference realignment and hope somehow some way they can find a way to continue to play that game at some point in the future nice to see that the big 12 officials got to screw OU one last time so there you go <laughs> appreciate it as always Bob have a good one okay thank you that was the worst call of the year in college football and it wasn't even involving first time in like 30 years it hasn't involved a Pac-12 game so that that's something in itself okay I feel we should get like a drum roll here Rob and Mesa, are you okay? I've been worried about you. Uh, thanks, Bob. Thanks for worrying. I'm, I'm doing well. I hope you're doing fine. 
Yeah, I'm just worried about you. <laughs> uh, had some things happen in the life. You know, life's never fair, but I'm on the other side. So uh, Good. I'm moving forward, brother. All right. Good job. Thank you. Congratulations. You, Hang in there. Have you used your, I'm sorry, have you used your famous words yet? Same old sorry ass Cardinals. I really haven't because I don't know if I've ever been this bad. Um, the, you know, I can you know, I had somebody ask me late last week uh, whether there's ever been a team since I've been here in any sport that I've wanted the season to end more. And, you know, a couple of those Suns teams after the Nash years, uh, before the last three or four years, might have qualified. But I didn't have to watch every second of every game that those guys played. Uh, I got to watch every second of every game that the Cardinals play. And I can't wait for the season to end. I'm with you. And in, in the beginning, everybody was labeling them like, well, they're losing, but they're competitive. They're competitive. They're putting it out there. Right. Now that's gone out the window because I think in their last three losses, they've been double digits. So the competitiveness well, on the field yeah. is. Well, they actually covered the, you know, they, they got that late touchdown against the uh, Ravens. So they didn't lose that game by double digits, but they have lost uh you know, five of the last six games against the spread, too. And uh, the numbers keep getting higher. And I think there's a pretty easy explanation for that. They don't have very many good players to start with. Some of those good players have been hurt. They've lost offensive linemen and especially defensive, uh, you know, front, uh, front seven guys to injuries. They keep using different cornerbacks every week. And quite frankly, none of them are any good. So this is not going to get any better the rest of the season because it's just uh, I don't necessarily blame them at this point. They're just trying to flip the roster. It, you know, it, there's like two or three roster moves seemingly every day in the waiver wire and guys come and go and practice squad and la-di-da. Uh, they're not going to get any better the rest of the season, even with Kyler Murray, and hopefully he survives because the offensive line, even the healthy offensive linemen have progressively gotten worse as the season has continued. Okay, Rob, sounds like you're in uh, PIR there or something. So good to hear from you again. I hope that uh, you're on the other side of the, whatever is going on with you. And uh, I hope you become a regular caller again because we miss you. And seriously, Kayla and I have had a couple discussions uh, of like, what happened to Rob? Is he okay? Uh, and I've known Rob for a really long time, back since the horse and hound days and uh 15 or you know, 20 years ago. So good to hear from Rob there. All right. We will save up the, uh, let Cart, let, let, I'll, you know, I'll let Kayla talk about ASU. <laughs> um, and I'll, we'll talk more about the Cardinals too. And, but the good news is it was a really good football weekend, Saturday and Sunday around the country. So we'll get into all that during the extra point from, I guess, make sure I get this right from, let's see here from 11 to 1 o'clock uh, for the next few months. And actually, I prefer the 10 to 1 you know, angle here because I get to sleep one hour later. So there you go. And get to stay up later. Oh, it's a wonderful thing for me. And as we've established many years ago here, this is all about me, folks. You're listening to the Sports Zone with All About Me, Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7.
bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back to the final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. Monday night football from the swamps of Jersey tonight. The uh, Chargers, uh, three and a half point favorite against the Jets. Uh, total in that game, pretty much 39 and a half everywhere. There's a few 40s, a couple 40s I see right now in the state of Nevada. Uh, as far as this game goes, I mentioned in the last segment that uh, if uh, Oregon plays Washington again, Oregon fans should try to figure out a way to kidnap Dan Lanning. I would say the same thing about Chargers fans uh, with Brandon Staley. There's no way I could lay three and a half with Brandon Staley in any game. So I'm not doing it. Not that I like the Jets, and I'm not betting on this game, but if I had to do something in this game, it would be the Jets plus three and a half and just try to, uh, you know, I'm going to watch this game. I'm going to be kind of like watching in the corner with my you know, hand, hand above my eyes or up against my eyes so I don't have to watch, you know, just kind of cringe or whatever. Good luck if you're on the Jets, but, you know, good luck if you're on the Chargers too. Meanwhile, football scoreboard from the weekend. Uh, the Bengals, they're hot. They beat the fading Bills 24-18. Uh, Joe Burrow threw for a season-high 348 yards and two touchdowns. The uh, Cincinnati defense forced a couple of turnovers and held off the Bills in the fourth quarter. Uh, this division, we've gone—at least I have—I've gone back and forth in the uh, NFC. Uh, excuse me, the AFC North, thinking this is the best division of football. And the season started. Then once the season started, thought, well, maybe it's not. Well, it turns out now, at least at this point of the season, they all have winning records. <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. The best, the, the best thing for the Bengals here is they still play the Steelers twice, and they have rematches against the Browns and the Ravens on the schedule. So they, they certainly uh, can take care of their own business from here on out. Burrow last night, 31 out of 44, completed passes to eight different receivers. Josh Allen. Uh, 258 yards, but he's now thrown at least one interception in five consecutive games. The Cowboys, a um, couple close calls there, you know, which were correct. Uh, you know, the dude didn't get in the end zone. You don't throw, you know, don't throw it to a guy from Michigan uh, if you're trying to score a touchdown at the goal line. At least in was in this case on on Sunday. And also, Dak stepped out of bounds in the two-point conversion. Anyway, uh, Jalen Hurts, playing obviously hobbled, 207 yards, two touchdowns, ran for another on one of those, uh, you know, the the push play that they uh, have uh, perfected and others seemingly don't perfect. Uh, The Eagles beat the Cowboys 28-23 yesterday afternoon. Uh, Philadelphia, the only 8-1 team in the NFL, by the way. Meanwhile, college on Saturday, Washington outscored USC. Dylan Johnson, who I really didn't know anything about, quite frankly, before the game, uh, rushed for more than 100 yards. Uh, He'd only done that in his four seasons of college football before Saturday night. He had 256 and four touchdowns. On Saturday night, Michael Penix added a couple of touchdown passes. Washington stays perfect on the season, uh, at least record-wise. They're not perfect. Uh, 52-42 to 42 over USC. Uh, the Huskies, 572 yards. And on Sunday, 
USC announced that Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator, had been fired. Uh, Caleb Williams, 312 yards and three touchdowns for USC, which is now 7-3 and three overall. And their Pac-12 championship uh, hopes are dashed. They're now 5-2 and two in conference play. Alabama beat LSU. Unfortunately, LSU lost Jaden Daniels to injury. Jalen Milrow rushed for four touchdowns, actually rushed for 355 yards and four touchdowns, and passed for another 219 yards as Alabama beat LSU 42-28. to uh, Unfortunately, as I mentioned, Jaden Daniels, former ASU quarterback, of course, he got injured in the third quarter. He was keeping LSU in the game pretty much single-handedly with his legs and his arm, and they had no chance to really do anything after that. And actually, the uh, the decline of LSU's offense kind of began before. In fact, it was uh, 28-28, and they had three consecutive possessions where they had penalties that basically ended drives. A couple other quick things here. Uh, rip from the headlines. A couple of baseball things. Uh, Dodger pitcher Clayton Kershaw had shoulder surgery on Friday. This kind of confirms what I and others thought when they tried when he when he tried to pitch against the Diamondbacks in the postseason. Something was physically wrong with him. He's out until next summer at say like June or July, assuming he pitches. Because remember, he's a free agent this upcoming offseason. And also, uh, Tr- Justin Turner opted out of his Red Sox contract. He's a free agent. The Diamondbacks need a third baseman. They got Longoria for one year. Uh, maybe they can do Justin Turner for one year, even though he didn't play that much third base or as much third base last year for Boston as he had in his Dodger days. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone. Coming up next, it's the Extra Point. The next two hours, including more on the football weekend, local and national. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>